Welcome to the Did Nothing Wrong podcast, where we try to cut through the noise and help you make sense of the chaotic information space around us. I'm Griff Somke. And I'm Jay McKenzie. The United States debt ceiling fight heats up as we get closer to the deadline. Another neo-Nazi commits a mass shooting, and for some reason, the right floods the zone over it. And Republican Congressman George Santos finally gets arrested. If you like what you're hearing, please give us a rating and a review on the app that you're listening on. Be sure to subscribe at didnothingwrongpod.com to get our content straight into your inbox. All of our work is free, but we're extremely grateful for paid subscriptions and donations that ensure that we can keep doing this important work. Thank you. The House GOP, led by Speaker Kevin McCarthy, has decided that they're going to turn the periodic debt ceiling fight into another hostage situation. This time, they want lots of spending cuts that might crash the economy in exchange for a promise not to do this again for another year. I question a little bit when we were figuring out topics for this one, if we're out of our purview with a topic like the debt ceiling, because in general, who cares? Or what does that have to do with extremists or propaganda, information warfare, all these things that we talk about? But it does. It's gotten to the point where we kind of were watching in the background and now we feel like the deadline is approaching and we have to bring this up because it is a central feature of MAGA, especially MAGA talking points lately. And the center of it is, yes, okay, the country owes money. (laughs) Some people probably on the right do not think we should owe any money, but whatever, weird fringe minority, we can ignore them for the moment. We owe money, we're going to keep owing money, we're not going to pay it off. Debt is how this economy and the the global economy works. Deal with it. Uh, But right now, the right and the left are going to argue over how much money we should owe and how much we're willing to pay down the line. It sounds like the most boring thing ever. I know, I know, I get it. Who cares? Move on. I'm not going to get down to every single detail and all the statistics of this fight back and forth because it's not really about the numbers. It's part of an ideological war between Joe Biden and MAGA Republicans, which is a group that now includes Speaker Kevin McCarthy. He bought a ticket and he's taken the ride. He did. And so there's no confusion here. Let's just real briefly explain what the debt ceiling actually is. I know, I know, boring, but we got to do it. So the New York Times has a great explainer on it that we'll link to in the show notes. But the short version is that the debt ceiling, also called the debt limit, is a cap on the total amount of money that the federal government is authorized to borrow via U.S. Treasury securities, such as bills and savings bonds, to fulfill its financial obligations. Basically, this is money that's already been spent. The other important thing to understand is that this fight happens literally every time a Democratic president is in office. But strangely, not when it's a Republican president. Certainly not in recent memory. When Trump was president, the debt ceiling was raised regularly with very little drama. In 2017, 2018, 2019, the debt limit was reset at 20.5 trillion, 22 trillion, and 28.4 trillion, respectively. None of these bills, when signed into law, contained a precondition to cut spending, despite the wishes of some Republicans. Meanwhile, in 2011 and 2013, when Barack Obama was president, GOP House members took the debt ceiling fight nearly up to the point of default both times in order to force the concessions that they wanted. Before that, the debt ceiling was raised routinely without much fuss. However, that all changed in 2010 when the so-called, quote, Tea Party Republicans, unquote, were ascendant. They began to use the debt ceiling like a hostage negotiation, and here we are today. Yeah, and if you think back on it, guys like Ted Cruz made a name for themselves doing essentially this, refusing to pay our bills or demanding tax cuts. This is when they finally realized that, yeah, we're pretty good as an opposition party and we're going to oppose this thing, even if it's never really been something that was worth talking about or arguing over or fighting about. And it wasn't because nobody really cared. Like, okay, here's Mm -hmm. the debt. We're going to increase the debt. 
yes, it's an absurdly large number, but look at the size of our economy. We can pay it. Let's do this and move on. But then Republicans decided they're going to make hay about this. And oh my God, look, look at these numbers. And when you objectively throw out a number like $20 trillion, of course, it sounds horrific. It sounds like the end of the country as we know. Oh my God, we owe this much money. And then Mm -hmm. in two years, we're going to owe this much money. And Oh, maybe we really need to buy all those guns because, and China, oh, and China owes all of our debt. Well, then they're going to call in that debt and then they're just going to destroy us and they're going to control the world. And and you see how the last 10 plus years happened because it started with this thing that nobody really cared about. And then you make it into this huge problem that oh, we have to do something about. Does Obama not care? Does mm-hmm. Obama just, maybe, maybe this is related to that Kenyan birth certificate that we can't find bunch of tax and spend liberals right so yes it it is a new new newish thing but it worked for them and the sanity of it all wasn't really part of the equation no and so (laughs) it's hard for some people to get their heads around the idea that at this point in 2023 the house gop really does not care if the economy crashes trump just did his disastrous CNN town hall last night. Well, it, it was a disaster if you value democracy, but it was a huge win if you're CNN's ratings obsessed leadership or a Trump Republican. Right. But Trump was asked about the debt ceiling in the town hall and he endorsed the idea of default. He said that if the Republicans can't get the cuts that they want, then they shouldn't make a deal. He's the leader of the Republican Party. That doesn't say good things about no Republicans but in here the state we are. of the country. <laughs> but if when he says that, when he puts out the call there, that puts everyone else on notice that we're doing this now. And if you don't fall in line, well, then, hey, maybe things might get uncomfortable for you. Mm-hmm. So this is a an incredibly unbalanced negotiation because Republicans don't see a bad outcome for them. Now, there might be the consequences of it, it, it. It's it's going to be unprecedented, uh-huh. but they are not focusing on the negative. They think they either get the spending cuts they've always wanted or the economy crashes and things fall apart pretty quickly and they will blame it all on Joe Biden right in time for the 2024 election. Hell yes. Again, it's it's not really about the spending cuts. It's about enforcing their will on Joe Biden and the Democrats. It's about holding the country hostage, holding a gun to the economy's head and screaming, don't think I won't do it. I'll fucking do it. Mm-hmm. That's that's what, that's, I, that's, what I, that's what I hear. That's what I think they're saying to them. Like they get psyched up in the mirror in the morning mm-hmm. and it's, don't think I won't fucking do it, Joe. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's where we're at. It's not about money. It's about sending a message. Seriously. Yeah. It's where we are. Either do what Cat Turd 2 from Twitter wants Cat or turd. the sound fiscal mind of Cat Turd. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that guy. Yeah. Mm. And if you don't, we default and it'll burn and it'll hurt average Americans quite a bit when prices for everything go up and interest rates skyrocket. But they are yet again convinced they can blame every bit of suffering on Joe Biden. And who's to say they can't convince enough people that that's true? I'd like to think people are smart enough to see through this charade, but even the media is playing along with both sides in this story. How does the average person supposed to understand what's really going on here? And Look, if you want to radically reduce the size of the government, you couldn't ask for a better tool than the debt limit. And make no mistake, the GOP would love to see the size of the government reduced one way or another. This is a long-held strategy for them that they call Starve the Beast. One of the architects of this strategy is a guy named Grover Norquist, who founded a group called Americans for Tax Reform in 1985 at the urging of then-President Reagan. He declared in 2001, quote, I don't want to abolish government. I simply want to reduce it to the size where I can drag it into the bathroom and drown it in the bathtub, unquote. (laughs) Sit with that for a second. Yeah. And I have to disagree with you just a little bit here because you're right with all of that until recently. Right. I think all of that was true until recently. And it's not that it's suddenly untrue. They're just 
are a few caveats we have to throw in there because Republicans still mostly claim they want small government. But look at Florida. Look at the policies that made Ron DeSantis popular. He's trying to take over the education system as as the governor. He's mm-hmm. using the legislature to pass don't say gay and, and whatever the next iteration of that is, the anti-woke bill. It is all government mandated. It is by definition a big government idea. And he's trying to use the government to win a culture war fight over Disney. And he's talking about boycotting Budweiser. And when does that turn into legislation? Like it's still kind of early, but they're very interested in using the government and making the parts of the government that help them look good and win the culture war and and take down wokeness or whatever they're calling it this week and then cutting everything else. So you look at Texas and Republican Governor Greg Abbott has used power in his state like nobody before him. Yes, he's cut plenty of government programs he doesn't like, such as mental health services, which is, of course, absurd since every time there's a mass shooting in Texas, he says, oh, it's this is not a gun problem. It's a mental health problem, but yeah. he's not funding mental health services. Hmm. But he's increased the, the government power and size of agencies like Border Patrol, mm-hmm. the ones that he does like, that that he thinks make him look good, mm-hmm. he has increased them. So I'm I'm with you on the traditional Republican idea of fiscal conservatism. It's an increasingly absurd position in the context of this Republican Party, but it's still underpinning a lot of the discussion around the debt ceiling. And I think it's the media isn't necessarily up to speed or aware of no, how much this has shifted. Definitely, and the media is letting them get away with that. And the one counterpoint I would have is that, like you said, they're all about fiscal conservatism when it's the other guy's policies, when it's the policies they don't like. They're all about, we can't afford mental health care. We can't afford to have school lunches. We can't afford to expand you know, Medicaid in our states. We can't afford any of this stuff, but we can afford to jack up what we spend on the Border Patrol. We can afford to jack up traditionally Republican priorities, like giving huge tax cuts to corporations to move into our state. We can afford things that we want to afford. We just practice fiscal restraint when it's the other guy. Used to be a little more balanced, but now they're pretty blatant about it. Yeah, yeah. And and they're going to do all that while they keep giving tax cuts to corporations mm-hmm. and rich people. Absolutely. Just don't ask too many questions because... Kevin McCarthy's just worried about how much money we're spending. I mean, have you looked at the number? Mm-hmm. Trillions, trillions. Trillions. So in this current fight, what options do Biden and the Democrats really have to avoid defaulting on our debt? Well, I can think of several. The first is negotiate with terrorists or give them what they want. The problem with that is that the cuts they want involve unimportant things like military spending on vets and air traffic controllers and would more than likely push the economy into recession, which they will then blame on Biden. Plus, as history shows, we will then do this again in a year. Another possible option is to play chicken and let the debt default happen on June 1st when we hit the absolute limit. And that's absolutely a bad idea. It would crash the economy almost immediately. And who gets to blame for that? Biden and the Democrats. Yeah, and and you're right about cutting benefits for veterans. And we know that because the the House and Kevin McCarthy keep talking about, well, we already passed a bill. We passed a bill. The Senate won't take it up. Yeah, you passed a bill that even Senate Republicans are looking at and saying, I can't agree to this. I can't vote for this. I I won't do it. That is indeed a bill. You did pass it. Yes, you did. Yeah. You, you passed a bill, Pretty just terrible like bill, you but yes. got over the finish line and became Speaker of the House after you essentially had a, a truce brokered between Steve Bannon and uh, Kevin McCarthy that's brokered by... Tucker Carlson, yeah. That's that's where we're at. Yo, mm-hmm. How did the House become such a, such a MAGA playground? Can't imagine. Like, well, <laughs> <laughs> Tucker Carlson plus Steve Bannon equals... Mm-hmm. It's a mess. It's it's an absolute mess right now. And there's a possibility that the Republicans aren't really willing to follow through with this. And we can see this because the Biden folks have started to kind of increase the pressure a little bit, started to take those swipes of like, well, come on, we got to get this done. What are they actually doing? What's in their package? And the Republicans are going to start getting calls, emails, texts, 
from people who are going to get hurt. But I'm not sure I would want to bet that the Republicans would blink first, not with guys like Matt Gates in charge of this. I think that they kind of mean it this time. If you look at if you look at Steve Bannon, his show right now, I mean, it's just all he's talking about. And now that Tucker's not really put anything out there, if there's a if there's one place to go to for what's what's the center of the information hub? Well, right now, it's probably Steve Bannon Mm -hmm. and he's loving it and he's loving every second of this. And he is going to double down on his double downs. And who has the power to really change his mind or stop him or it's not Kevin McCarthy? Nope. He's one of the most powerful men in American politics right now. That's for sure. God, I mean, some of us you hope say that, it out loud. Ugh. I know it's gross. But yes, but here we are. I'm not. I'm not disagreeing. But yeah, and some of us hope that they would solve this problem in the lame duck session prior to the 2023 session, but they didn't. And mm-hmm. as a result, here we are, one more time. So the waiting game continues for a while, yep. uh, but people do need to understand this is real. They may blink. They may give in and some even on the right think that they will. And this is just for show, Mm -hmm. but they might not. And we shouldn't look away and assume anything here. Yeah. And Democrats are possibly going to have to get creative with this one. Everything past this point has never been tried and will almost certainly result in a court challenge that will ultimately be settled by the Supreme court. And One of the ways out of this situation they're talking about is the 14th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. That's right. According to the New York Times, faced with an impasse over raising or suspending the nation's debt limit, some White House officials are looking to a clause in the 14th Amendment to ensure the United States does not default on its debt. The amendment, adopted after the Civil War, conferred citizenship to former slaves and contains a more obscure section on public debt. The article continues, the 14th Amendment includes a provision that protected public debt held by the federal government and prohibited payment of debt held by the Confederate states. Quote, the validity of the public debt of the United States authorized by law, including debts incurred for the payment of pensions and bounties for services in suppressing insurrection or rebellion, shall not be questioned. Unquote. The clause reads. The Biden administration is discussing whether the 14th Amendment compels the government to continue issuing new debt to pay bondholders, along with Social Security recipients, military personnel and others, even if Congress fails to lift the limit before the so-called X date. So the argument is that, according to the Constitution, the United States has no choice but to pay its debts and that this clause overrules the debt ceiling, which means that the debt ceiling itself is unconstitutional. Oh, it's a it's a bold strategy. Indeed, it is. Indeed, it is. (laughs) But at least, hey, it's it is time to get creative. Mm -hmm. And as far as I can tell, it's not really clear what happens if Biden goes this route. Nope. Because Republicans are almost certainly going to fight that in court pretty much immediately. Mm -hmm. And from there, who knows how long is it going to take? How are they going to be able to uphold it immediately or later on? I'm I'm not a lawyer or a legal expert. I, I need someone who not even is a lawyer. I need someone who's a... We need a constitutional scholar here. Yeah, I, was, I mean, definitely not Dershowitz. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> so, yeah, it could very well make its way to the Supreme Court. And then what? I don't have no faith, but... I don't have a lot of faith in the justices these days. So yeah, we're, we're in some seriously uncharted waters here and I don't personally presume to know either how it comes out at that point. But what I do know is that the GOP has been doing this for 13 years now and they're not going to stop. So unless the Democrats take some unprecedented measures to take this tactic off the table, We can just expect more hostage negotiations until the economy just crashes, because that's the goal here. These people have said, going back as far as Reagan, that this is what they want. Yeah, that brings to mind uh, Reagan's famous quote that I think you all know that I've always felt the nine most terrifying words in the English language are, I'm from the government and I'm here to help. (sighs) 
I, I think honestly that may have been on the wall somewhere in my grandparents' house. I mean, you don't you don't understand. They they meant this. Yeah, no, they were they were very very serious about this. This was where a lot of all of this started, and it's that quote from Reagan that just explains so much of what we're looking at right now. Reagan Republicans just didn't believe the government should do much of anything, really. And MAGA Republicans only think the government should do the things that they want. And when they have a tool to try and enforce that, I don't think it's an exaggeration to say that right now what they're doing is putting the economy on death ground. And I think the Democrats have to hold the line. I I really do. We don't negotiate with these people because they're not even negotiating. Listen to Biden's press conference the other day because he's he's really taking the right approach to this fight, as far as I'm concerned. Speaker McCarthy said that he asked you numerous times if there was anywhere in the federal budget for cuts, but he did not get an answer. So is there I got anything? a specific answer. I got a specific answer again today. Which is what? The first, I, you didn't listen either, so why should I even answer the question? I, we cut the deficit by $160 billion. Billion, B-I-L-L-I-O-N, dollars on the Medicare deal. We cut the deficit by raising the tax on people making uh, 55 corporations that made $40 billion to 15%, and the list goes on. So, but in terms of what he is proposing, is there any room for negotiation? What's he proposing? Did he tell you? Well, Did he, you he talked about... No, 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 I'm not being facetious. Did he tell you what he's proposing? He, he was talking about the bill. Yeah, but what, what does it propose? Do you know? I'm not being a wise guy. You all are very, very informed people. Do you know what that bill cuts? He, there is a long list of things that it, it cuts. That no, he no, it doesn't say. It says, does it say what it's going to cut? Or just say generically it's going to cut? You get the problem. A negotiation implies the other side wants something. You have some leverage. We have some leverage. Let's find a compromise. These people aren't after a compromise. Maybe... The traditional methods really do have to go out the window here. And I think Biden has said this. The people around him understand mm-hmm. what kind of Republican Party we're dealing with here. And uh, we'll have to keep following this one closely. Yeah. Switching gears here. The shooting at an outlet mall in Allen, Texas, has so far left nine dead, including the shooter. At least three others remain in critical condition and another four people were hospitalized. Three of the dead were children, and it's horrific, and it keeps happening. And the right continues to do nothing to stop the next attack, which we all know is coming at this point. And the scenes from this mass shooting were gruesome. I don't recommend looking for them, but you may have stumbled on them on your Twitter feed inadvertently because they were everywhere. I didn't want to see them either, right. but... This story kind of took over social media for a while. And the right, of course, right out of the gate, tries to control the narrative and tries to tell us that they know exactly what happened. And as soon as it's a man of Mexican descent who's the shooter, well, I I saw several dozen posts about his supposed gang ties. He's in the Mexican mafia. He's in MS-13. Look at that tattoo on his hand. Check it out. The worst one I probably saw was the, who, who, uh, does anyone really think the CIA and the Mexican cartels wouldn't, wouldn't collaborate to commit this sort of crime to push their psyops and spread their agenda? And okay, great. Yeah, of course they did this, of course. And then they tried to keep going. They tried to keep going. Oh, we can't talk about the guns. We'll talk about whatever racist or terrible thing that gets you to avoid having a conversation about, oh, look, it's another mass shooter wearing body armor and using an AR-15, all of which was purchased legally. Mm -hmm. They are not going to have that conversation. But then everything kind of took a turn because we found out that the shooter apparently held neo-Nazi beliefs Mm -hmm. thanks to some open source digging done by Bellingcat's Arik Toller. There was some reporting from the New York Times that mentioned a social media account. He found the shooter's social media account and started sharing the information. Mm -hmm. And the right collectively lost their minds and found one excuse after another for why they did nothing wrong. 
As Toller pointed out on Twitter after he found the shooter's social media account on the Russian site OK.ru, the shooter appears to have been a Tim Pool fan. Surprise, mm-hmm. surprise. Now, we're not accusing Tim Pool of being directly responsible for any acts of violence, but you would think maybe in a sane world, someone like Tim Pool would look at this connection and say, huh. Maybe I ought to reconsider my content or positions or at least ponder why an alleged neo-Nazi mass shooter got his news from my show. But we do not, in fact, live in sane times. So Temple basically did the opposite of that. I mean, I got to be honest, like, I think it's funny and I really just don't care. I think we've won so much ground. In the culture war, that it is completely meaningless that they would even do it, assuming mm-hmm. it was a psyop. It's just, it means nothing to me. It's just, it's just funny. Ugh. Uh, yeah. What a, what a, that's what a guy. What a mensch that Tim Pool. What a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. Let's just, just like, oh, is it? <sighs> yeah. Maybe there was no humanity in that man to begin with, but it's a, uh, it's a real struggle to find find any last ounce of it there it was most obvious with him because well toller pointed out that the the shooter appeared to be a tim pool fan and tim pool nah you know i don't care it wasn't me ha and he makes his comments and all this and just goes about his day goes about his business but uh, all over the right it's it's a false flag it's no this uh, he's he's mexican how can he possibly be a a neo-nazi couldn't Uh uh-huh uh-huh couldn't the the right decided collectively that this guy was was one of theirs. They're never going to take a moment to reflect. They don't care. No, they don't care. And they either b- really believe that this is a false flag meant to harm them, or they just say that because they don't care. And we're done. Don't even don't don't expect humanity to poke through because it just won't. But it really this story really. I don't know that it got worse, but it got more absurd when the owner of Twitter, of course, decided to wade in. And as Cheyenne Sardar Zeta and Mike Wendling wrote for BBC News, the section was titled, Who's Spreading False Rumors? And they wrote, Despite the clear evidence, several activists and internet personalities, including at least one mentioned in the shooter's post, have attempted to cast doubt on the authenticity of the material. They've claimed without evidence that it's part of a psychological operation or PSYOP. They've also claimed it's a false flag by the government to smear those on the right or far right. A number of posts spreading the false rumors were viewed millions of times. Among them, one by Twitter chief Elon Musk called the fact the suspect had an account on a Russian platform, very odd, in another message. And in another message said it was either the weirdest story ever or a very bad psyop. However, OK.ru has an English interface and its lax content moderation policies mean extreme content is less likely to be taken down. Mr. Musk and Twitter's communications team did not respond to a request for comment. And I just want to interject a little bit here to say that uh, we have seen neo-Nazis and white nationalists on OK.ru and other Russian social media sites going back since we've been looking at this stuff. It's something that they do. They know it's a safe place for Mm -hmm. them to have accounts and post and they are not going to get banned. So from time to time, they are on these platforms. You won't have heard about it or noticed because why would you? But it's not like he's the only person who did this. It's a thing they do. Exactly. Dylan Roof, the mass shooter in Charleston, South Carolina, had a Russian email address. And it's because they aren't really worried about the content moderation over there. They aren't worried about it showing up in somebody's search, somebody's filter. And it's very common for these guys to have VK, VContact accounts. Very common for them to have OK.ru accounts. This is not a thing that should really surprise anyone that isn't really wanting to be surprised, as it were, by this information. And at this point, the most popular extremist social media platform is Telegram, Mm -hmm. which is owned by a Russian man who lives, okay, he lives in Dubai, but he is Russian. Mm -hmm. He used to own the Russian 
version of Facebook until he was forced out or bought out or there's various stories. But in any case, it is a Russian owned company. It's not technically based in Russia, but it's the number of users on Telegram really dwarfs any other platform. But the idea that what's he doing on a Russian site? Yeah, lots of people do Uh this. So back to the article, the podcaster Tim Poole, who is a former Occupy Wall Street supporter and vice news reporter, was among those mentioned several times in the suspect's post. Now, there's no evidence that Garcia was inspired to action by Mr. Poole's podcasts, which tend to cover right-wing talking points and conspiracy theories. But Mr. Poole immediately tried to cast doubt on the veracity of the material, accusing those digging up this material as being part of a, quote, psyop, unquote. Now, Jay, you will be shocked to hear that the BBC reached out for comment, but Tim Poole did not respond to their requests for comment. So shocked. So, so shocked. Why? But why would he respond? Because Tim did nothing wrong. No. The the fake news is trying to frame him again, and it just keeps happening. Thankfully, he doesn't care. Uh-huh. This time, their defenses of their own behavior, they just went all over the place. And increasingly, they just had to really strain and reach. And you had all of them posting, oh, this is just, it's so, it's so odd. And it's, it's. Uh, Elon Musk's tweet was, the story just keeps getting weirder. That, that, that doesn't mean anything. It doesn't. No. He wasn't replying to some news story. He was replying to Ian Miles Chong, the Malaysian man who plays a American right winger on social media. Has he ever actually been to the United States? I'm curious. As far as I know, he has not. And he writes about American culture war and political stuff for Russia today. Wow. He thinks it's weird that that he was using a Russian social media site. It's like, dude, you, I'm sure he does. I'm sure he <laughs> I'm thinks sure, that's I'm quite sure weird. I'm sure he does. Mm-hmm. And Elon thinks that's really weird. So, yeah, it's it is weird. It is weird. And it's of course, yeah, the the most likely explanation is that this is a false flag psyop between maybe the CIA and the Mexican cartels Toads. and uh, that that seems more likely than what is incredibly obvious here. Yeah, I don't know if if Tim Pool or Libs of TikTok radicalized the shooter, but do I find it hard to believe that they agreed on a lot of things that he he watched and listened to them because they're on the same page, they adhere or follow the same narratives and look at the world through a similar lens? That doesn't seem like a reach, but no, it, it can't be that. So no. in, instead, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna just pull everything out of the out of the sky that we can and we're going to bend and we're going to twist and i do wonder honestly how many of them pulled something or strained a muscle because at first it was this is just some guy who did a shooting and then he's a gang member and oh thank goodness the police acted and and then it comes out that the shooter is hispanic and they assume he's an illegal alien they start posting images of a different guy with the same name and then mm-hmm. another guy that's unrelated and and it gets too confusing to follow which is kind of the point but probably democrats fault because they love open borders and if he's hispanic well obviously he's he's got to be an illegal alien as if we don't have millions of of hispanic citizens in this country mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and just to bring it back to one other point here There was a gentleman we talked about a couple episodes back on the program by the name of Jared Wise, who was an FBI agent at one point in charge of counterterrorism and countering violent extremism for the New York office, who was involved in the January 6th protests and insurrection at the Capitol. Well, Jared Wise fit a pattern of a guy who has had some problems, life hasn't gone exactly right the last few years, started potentially consuming this type of propaganda. Next thing you know, he's in a place like this. And Mauricio Garcia fits that same pattern. This is a guy who washed out of the army. They kicked him out for what sounds like probably mental health reasons. He was working as a security guard. He had a YouTube channel that went back over a year. This is some of the stuff that Eric Toller found. And you could see the descent with this guy into 
more and more angry and upset. And by the end of it, he's posting videos on YouTube about doing this. He's got playlists about doing this. He's got photos of the mall that he ended up shooting up on his page, his OK.ru page. Yeah, he was trying to catalog the times when the largest number of shoppers would be there. Is that right? Yes, he was. He was looking at timing and trying to see like when would the most people be there because it's clear that what the guy wanted was to, as these guys put it, get a high score. And it's another example of somebody at a really dark place in their life getting a hold of this propaganda and just going right down that rabbit hole. And it can happen real fast in some cases. Yeah. And and the right said it was not believable because it was so obvious. And it's, yeah, he, he posted all of this stuff online and and it just happens to line up mm-hmm. with all of, oh, he just, he, he got these Nazi tattoos and he, he admitted to having white supremacist beliefs and he posted all of these memes and he posted about doing the shooting mm-hmm. And he posted all of this on a Russian site because he knew nothing would happen and nothing did happen. The account was still sitting there. And because presumably he assumed someone would find it and someone Mm -hmm. would read it. And part of the goal for these guys is to have someone find it and read it. They want someone to come along after the fact, be it Arik Toll or be it the New York Times, whoever else, they don't care. They want someone to come along and blow this stuff up because they want everyone to know why they did it. And they hope that some other disturbed individual out there finds this stuff and takes inspiration from it and goes off and does the next one. That's the whole point. And I I think in this case, we had to talk about it. We have to say, hey, this guy is is being very explicit in how he got here and what he believes and who he thinks his, his allies are and the inability, unwillingness to self reflect, Mm -hmm. to they can't even just shut up because shutting up is is losing control of the narrative. Yep. I saw Caroline Orr point out on Twitter that Michael Tracy, the mm-hmm. Glenn Greenwald sidekick, let's put it that way, who, who's gone on Tucker Carlson, RIP, that show. But uh, <laughs> he, he went on Tucker very t- you know various times to be the token lefty, I guess, when Glenn was unavailable. But he's also the just ultimate contrarian. Mm -hmm. And when he's not claiming that all Ukrainians are Nazis because he saw one guy with a Sonorad tattoo. Well, here's this guy who does the shooting in Allen, Texas. And Michael Tracy says, we just, you know, oh, it's really just it's really hard to determine what his beliefs were. It's really we need more evidence. Mm -hmm. We need more context. He may have been just doing to shock people. Remember, Charles Manson Mm -hmm. did it not because Charles Manson was a Nazi, but because Charles Manson was crazy. That's why he carved that swastika into his forehead. Well, newsflash, Charles Manson was a Nazi. Charles Manson was a white supremacist. Charles Manson started a group with a guy named James Mason, who wrote a publication called Siege, that all these guys are huge fans of, called the Universal Order, to start a how do we best put these principles out into the world. Charles Manson was absolutely a white supremacist, Michael Tracy. This is something that we talked about with Harlan Crow and the Clarence Thomas story. People who have Nazi memorabilia mm-hmm. and have some, let's say, interesting things to say about Hitler tend to be Nazis, which is why, despite what Harlan Crow says and all of the, the people who are funded by him that defended his use of this iconography as a, oh, we have to remember the past. And they he can say whatever it is, and I'm not saying he's a Nazi, but in general, the only people that are obsessed with original Hitlers and get Nazi tattoos and carve swastikas mm-hmm. into their forehead are Nazis. Yes. There's not a lot of wiggle room there. It's Nazis. And the guy got a tattoo of a swastika and he talked about becoming a white supremacist and he posted memes about it and he admitted it. It's there. He's not doing this ironically. It's not a psyop. This is what they do. There have been so many cases now that are almost exactly like this when you get to the specifics and the idea that they are starting this, well, He's of Latino heritage. There's no way he can be a Nazi. Huh. We'll tell that to Joe Jordan and Nick Fuentes. 
you know, here's a couple of other guys who, oh, they're of Latino heritage. No way they can possibly be Nazis, but they've got a track record of content that would say otherwise. It's a gray area that we don't quite know how to talk about in the United States. But those colonies, the history of Latin America is very much one about the lighter skinned people who were called whites, were in charge, and the lowest on the pecking order were the darkest skinned mm-hmm. people. And, and then there were different castes in between that. So to say there is no history of white supremacy in Central and South America is just incorrect. Mm-hmm. It's not true. Absolutely incorrect. Even though we in the United States, at least how we grew up, don't necessarily look at Spaniards or people from Latin America as white, to the, the people who were there that grew up in these cultures... There were whites. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's different and it's hard to wrap your head around. But to think that that sort of history, Mm -hmm. that sort of difference between good and evil based on skin color is something that just didn't exist in the rest of North America and South America is just not true. It's not real. It's not. It's absolutely not. And for these people to pretend otherwise, it really does make you wonder what their agenda is like who are you sticking up for here the nazis or your own people are you saying that this guy somehow gave nazis a bad name doing what he did are you defending the nazis are you standing for the shooter i don't understand what point you're trying to make by saying somehow this guy was not representative of a certain thing when he quite clearly was why not just admit that this was a really horrible thing and shouldn't happen and move on? Are you that desperate not to give the other side a W? Is that how you see this? Well, that's not how you own the list. No. Uh, and, and this is why, again, we do frequently come back to Roger Stone because his motto of admit nothing, deny everything, launch counterattack is what they do now. Mm-hmm. It's the game. Absolutely is. Well, speaking of admitting nothing. A guy who we talked about last year, but not a whole lot since. Mostly because we were better off ignoring his existence. Uh, but no more. Representative George Santos from New York's 3rd Congressional District has forced our hand. Santos, you may recall, is of course the Congressional Medal of Honor winning author of multiple Pulitzer Prize winning novels, which cover the harrowing personal story of his attempts to rid Gotham City of the Joker and the rest of the evil villains who ran a pedophile ring out of a chain of local pizza joints. Damn, it's quite the fall for the billionaire (laughs) playboy, but it seems that the deep state has framed an innocent God-fearing man once again. And he said all that, so it's the truth. Absolutely. And I believe him. God bless America. Oh, we, we, yeah, we would not be shocked if uh, Santos claimed all of those things on a resume somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, so stay tuned. Uh, <laughs> uh, the Santos leaks are coming. Uh-huh. <laughs> In any case, the real things we know about Santos are bad enough. He confessed to committing check fraud in Brazil all the way back in 2008. Since that check fraud incident, he has just bounced from one claim and scheme to the next. He claimed that he was Jewish. (laughs) Then we found out he wasn't. And he said he felt Jew-ish. Jew-ish. Emphasis on ish. Folks. Uh (laughs) He made up large parts of his resume. He lied about the date his mom died. Which he he joined a so-called investment firm that was later accused by the SEC of running a Ponzi scheme. I could go on for a while longer, but you you get the idea. Mm-hmm. But uh, but we're talking about Santos today because mercifully he's officially been indicted. Let's read from the Eastern District of New York's press release. A 13-count indictment was unsealed today in the United States District Court for the Eastern District of New York, charging George Anthony DeVolder Santos, better known as George Santos, a United States congressman representing the 3rd District of New York, with seven counts of wire fraud, three counts of money laundering, one count of theft of public funds, and two counts of making materially false statements to the House of Representatives. The indictment was returned yesterday under seal by a federal grand jury sitting in Central Islip, New York. 
Santos was arrested this morning and will be arraigned this afternoon before U.S. Magistrate Judge Arlene R. Lindsay at the federal courthouse in Central Islip, New York. We talked about this last year. George Santos is and always has been a clownish figure. The The man has used more aliases than most terrorists or international hitmen, even the kind of absurd ones on TV. <laughs> He's gone by George Santos, Anthony Santos, Anthony DeVolder, Anthony D, George Anthony DeVolder, George DeVolder, George A.D. Santos, Anthony Zabrowski, that's when he was claiming he was Jewish, not Jewish. And also, finally, George Anthony Santos de Volder. And I'm probably forgetting some, and those are just the ones that we know about. But hey, Kevin McCarthy needed Santos's vote to become Speaker of the House. He got it. He let the guy get sworn in and seated in Congress. And since then, like we said, we've just ignored him. We did notice that he hired Vishbura, the gentleman mm-hmm. who works at the New York Young Republican Club, which is a anti-democratic, rather fascist-friendly organization. And Santos was endorsed by mm-hmm. the NYYRC, and then they he hired one of their guys as one of his senior advisors, chief strategist, rat fucking chief, whatever we want to call it. Fun fact. Do you know... The, the phrase Vishbura means surprised donkey in Brazilian Portuguese. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did you can not. Look that up. I did not. Know. You can go look that up. There was a section of Twitter that was having quite a time with that one. Of course, Matthew Turnin had to say something about it. So the Vish Turnin fight continues because Vish did not like that one bit. Well, it's part of the MAGA DeSantis troll war, which it's still kind of going, although it's. I mean, honestly, at times it's just sad. Mm-hmm. Like Ron, declare, please. Your your boys are out there. Like their their followers are going uh-huh. down. They're putting it on the line for you. Yeah, like oh yeah, we definitely support DeSantis. And can you please help us with our rent money this week? Because yep. uh... Bill Mitchell is out there mainlining so much cope. It's not even funny on the course of a regular day. Just well, how come these polls say this and they said this? All these people are in the tank for Trump. The numbers changed? What? (laughs) It's actually quite amusing because MAGA is already mocking the rollout. They're already preempting what DeSantis and his people are going to do and how they're going to come out and act like these DeSantis supporters online just suddenly sprung up. Oh, he's declared. Well, yes, I support him. And Everybody already knows who these people are. You don't know who these people are. You don't know their names because you don't care. And thank you. Please I'm, don't. I'm glad. I'm glad, dear listener, that you have a normal mm-hmm. life where you you probably learned that foreign language. We we mm-hmm. have not. We, we just know little bits here and there, like about Vishbura meaning like surprise donkey. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Yeah. yeah. So we know who these people are and what they're saying, and MAGA knows who they are too, and they're already saying, oh, they're gonna they're gonna astroturf this rollout and treat it like this organic support that that just oh yeah we're right wing influencers and suddenly ah oh, this Ron DeSantis guy I really like what he's got to Dun-dun. say and no it's all it's all planned they're already on team DeSantis and it's going to just be fake but they think they're going to get the media coverage and of course they are because there's money behind it and because people are going to play along and because they're going to be journalists and people who want sources in the DeSantis camp and so it's going to be this whole thing but MAGA's already sitting there like I'm telling you Mm -hmm. this is what they're going to do I'm telling you the date they're going to do it I'm telling you who it's going to be everyone point and laugh at them and so yes in the more traditional media circles it's going to get reported on but in in the know on social media, on, by the the influencers that are already vehemently pro-Trump, they're going to win the culture mm-hmm. war. They're going to shitpost these people into oblivion. And you may not care, and we shouldn't care, and this shouldn't be how politics operates. But for the right, it is absolutely mm-hmm. how it operates. Yeah, so they've won before the battle even started. Yeah. And, you know, back to Santos, it's like this guy was brought in to some extent, to be a distraction. This guy was just brought in to give people something to talk about other than some of the financial malfeasance. This is a guy who's just going to lie and say almost anything that comes into his head, but it finally caught up to him. And he's going to get his day in court. But if you read through this indictment, whoa, 
It's pretty bad. The guy did a lot out in the open without really trying to hide it. And the government collected all of this information, and now they're going to use it. Right. When I look at what's in the indictment, it's pretty clear Santos assumed he was going to lose, and nobody was ever going to really look too hard at his finances or what kind of schemes he was working on out in the open. Right. It, it was just incredibly lazy stuff, like Santos not paying the $138 annual report fee for his company that was registered in Florida. He didn't do anything until he reinstated the company after the New York Times wrote up this profile questioning his resume. When the And then, of course, everyone uh-huh. heard his name, the story blew up. But he only did something afterwards. And this was not, this was not a minor thing because... Santos claimed this company was his main source of income. Right. He he used this LLC to explain his sudden and inexplicable wealth. Mm-hmm. He put this on documents he submitted to the Federal Election Commission. And he couldn't even be bothered to pay $138 to keep the company active. Come on. Almost like Trump before him, he really did not think he was going to win. And I guess he just sort of forgot about it after a while. And once he finally did pay the fee and tried to legitimize his earnings, it seemed like it was a bit too late. Yeah. And I'm I'm not going to go too far in the weeds here with this indictment, but it is pretty shocking in its scale. It's also remarkable because, yeah, Santos has pled not guilty and he's refusing to resign. He's called it a witch hunt <sighs> and <laughs> he's trying to fundraise off of it, which is a very MAGA thing mm-hmm. to do. And, and you can pretty much... I would put my money on Kevin McCarthy not telling him to resign either. Mm-hmm. He needs his vote. And if McCarthy was to call for his resignation, it's going to be taken as a betrayal mm-hmm. by Bannon and the rest of MAGA. And they will turn on McCarthy in half a second. If if they sense even the tiniest bit of disloyalty to their movement, he's, he's dead to them. Mm-hmm. And look, we knew Santos was a fraud and... Now we can see the government thinks his fraud went beyond wild boast and a fake resume because these are serious financial crimes. Well, this is why we talked about prioritizing what's important and what isn't going forward. Santos's personal beliefs never meant a whole lot because, to be honest, I doubt the guy believes much of anything about much of anything. He was left in Congress to vote with MAGA and Kevin McCarthy and suck the air out of the room. He's a lot like MTG or Lauren Bobbert. These people say and do ridiculous things, so you'll respond to the ridiculous things. They want you to hate them. They want you to accuse them of all manner of moral failings. These people are professional wrestling heels for the most part. But what they don't want you to do is stop talking about them. And now George Santos is going to be talked about for a while. (laughs) But for all the wrong reasons, mm-hmm. as far as he's concerned, and if the charges do ultimately stick and he's convicted, then he's going away for a while. And then again, mercifully, we can start forgetting that he ever existed. Thank God. Thanks for listening to the Did Nothing Wrong podcast. If you want to hear more, you can go to didnothingwrongpod.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at James the word for and the letter M, all one word, and Grizza, B-J-J, G-R-Z-A, B-J-J, as well as D-N-W pod. Thanks again for tuning in. And remember, everyone mentioned did nothing wrong.